today. Come on, go church family. How you feel today? Everybody good? Come on, you look great. Here's what I want you to do real quick. Look at the person around you. Come on, just look at them real quick because this is their pre-Thanksgiving wait right there. Go ahead and see that because next Sunday's gonna look a little different. Can I get an amen from somebody? Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. I pray that this Thanksgiving is a tremendous blessing for you and your family. We love you so much here at Go Church and we're honored uh, just to be your pastors and to be on this faith journey with you. So happy Thanksgiving. And for those of you that are traveling, may there be traveling grace and mercy with you. To everybody in this room, good morning. This is our South Metro Atlanta campus, our broadcast campus. From this location, we have the honor and the privilege to campus stream our gatherings to our West Side Atlanta campus. They're located on the amazing property of City of Refuge. They're on the West Side of Atlanta. So good morning to West Side. And then also Montgomery County, Maryland, 700 miles from here. We just wanna say God bless you, welcome all of you. And then our online campus and family, thanks for tuning in today. All right, whatever campus you're a part of, can you just say good morning to all your brothers and sisters at Go Church? Come on, let's do that. Really good. And then you know it's here, Go Church. We're always gonna give honor to the men and women serving in the military, all of our active duty and veterans of the military and those first responders at any campus, if that's you, military men, women, first responders, would you put your hand up for a moment? And can we give high honor right here? Come on, let's go. Lift up your volume just a touch. Come on, come on. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me give you a, a quick save the date, all right? Save the date. And for those of you that you've been a part of Go Church for a while, you are familiar with what we call our Legacy Offering and Legacy Sunday. So this is one time a year, one Sunday a year, one offering a year that we are intentional with an ask. We're just asking for 100% participation in our annual legacy offering. It's the only time that we really ask for everybody to participate. For those of you that are new and you're unsure or unfamiliar with legacy offering, um, next Sunday, I'm gonna spend a lot of time, the whole message will be centered on what it means to live a legacy life and then leave a legacy behind. And so I wanna have that conversation with you on the hills of Thanksgiving. That will lead us right into our annual legacy offering. We ask for 100% participation because this is really a special opportunity because we give 100% of that to all of our legacy partners. Not one dollar, not one penny stays here at Go Church uh, for day-to-day -day operations and ministry and administration. We give all of that money, whatever is collected, uh, to the five different legacy lanes. I'll show you those next Sunday. And then our dozens of legacy partners locally, nationally, and around the world. So make plans to join us next Sunday after Thanksgiving. And then if you're traveling, make sure you listen to the message so you get the heart behind our upcoming legacy offering. Typically, I do a, a two, three-week series on legacy, but the Lord spoke to my heart to pivot. And so that's why we've not been talking about legacy. We've actually been spending what will now be our second Sunday in a mini series on Israel and the end times. How many of you here were last Sunday? You were blessed by the message and the word. Good, come on. Well, today we're gonna go a little deeper. We're gonna go a little deeper today. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start the same way I started last Sunday with a word of prayer. And I'm asking for every single one of you to come with an open heart, an open mind, and an open Bible, all right? Open heart, open mind, open Bible. I wanna encourage you to take lots of notes today. Uh, there is a ton of scripture because we are a Bible-believing church here at Go Church. I'm gonna go through a ton of scripture today, so 
there's a message note card and a seat back in front of you, or if you're using your smartphone to take notes, just flip it on airplane mode so you don't get distracted. But it's gonna be a great day. Open heart, open mind, open Bible. Heads bowed, eyes closed every campus. I'd like to give you about 10 seconds here before I pray for you to invite the Lord just to allow you to stay, you know, uh, focused on his word. Ask him, Lord, if you'll just let me open my mind and my heart, we're gonna open the Bible together. Show me something today that I never knew or remind me of something that I had forgotten. 10 seconds and then I'll pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. None like you, Lord. I give you praise and glory, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to stand on this platform, use this microphone, and preach the word of life. Devil, I speak to you once because that's all you're worth. I remind you, Satan, you've got no power. You've got no position. You've got no place. As a matter of fact, devil, the only place you belong is under my feet. Lord, I pray that your word would penetrate right to the heart of every person listening today. I need you to anoint me with clarity of mind, thought, and speech. And I hope and pray that you would anoint the listener to receive the word in the way that you would speak it to them. When we walk out of here, Lord, may we walk out with a deeper understanding of the gospel of Jesus and a deeper and closer, more intimate walk with you. Lord, when I was 19 and you saved me and called me to preach, you gave me these words. These words are inscribed on the back of this iPad right here. It is not my desire to preach to impress. It's my desire to preach to impact. And then etched in my heart and on the back of this iPad, it says, what Paul told the church at Corinth, for I do not preach with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. I need the power of the Holy Spirit today. May the cross of Jesus go before me and you get the glory and you get the honor. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen and amen. And now in a spirit of thanksgiving, if you love the Lord, let's give him the highest praise. Come on. Oh, come on, somebody clap to Jesus because he's good to you. Uh, second week of this, uh, I guess you call it a little mini series here on Israel and the end times. And I'll say this a couple times just to make sure you know my heart, but this is a, a continuation of last Sunday. So Time won't allow me to go back and re-preach much from last week. So if you weren't here for any reason or, or maybe you were invited to come, you know, for the first time to go church today, please go back online and listen to, to part one of this message that we're calling Israel and the End Times. Now, I'll begin through my introduction the exact same way that I started last Sunday because I want to lay the foundation, you know, right up front. The opening statement is made from a convicting place personally but also from a place of commission pastorally. And that is we unequivocally and unapologetically, we stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. Now I wanna say two things here uh, to continue to process and walk through a lot of the emotions and concerns and questions that many people have as we watch 
of the war that is literally unfolding right in front of our eyes. For the first time in 50 years, Israel has declared war. And so you, you can't turn on any you know, news outlet or any social media without seeing the images and, and, and hearing of what's taking place. So two things that I wanna say, and I said these same two, two things last week. The first one is my commitment to stand with not only the people of Israel, but the nation of Israel does not mean that I'm standing with the government of Israel or the prime minister of Israel in his decision, although I pray for him much like I pray for any sitting president of the United States of America. That's in, it's important that we pray. Um, I don't agree with everything that they've done, and I'm sure that they probably don't agree with everything that they've done. But your Bible says in Psalm 118, verse eight, as a matter of fact, it's almost mathematically right in the scripture that it is better to put our confidence in God than to put our trust in man. So when I say that we're standing with the people of Israel and the nation of Israel, it's because God told us to. Just like my wife doesn't agree with everything that I do as her husband, which is surprising to all of you, most surprisingly to me, she still stands with me. Why? Because she's in covenant with me. And ladies and gentlemen, we are in covenant with Israel. God chose those people and then he commanded us and commissioned us to stand with them. Additionally, I also stand with the sensible and innocent Palestinian people who are currently held hostage by the evil group called Hamas and their terrorism. We must weep for the Palestinian people. We must grieve for those people. We must pray for those people. And your heart should be, should be torn with brokenness and with prayer when you see the images of these people. But remember, and this is last Sunday, but Israel is not the enemy. Hamas is the enemy. And ultimately, Satan is the enemy. So I agree, free Palestine, but not from the hostages or from the, 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 the grips of Israel, but from the hostage of Hamas. They're the ones. So anyway, last Sunday, I tried to unpack a lot of that. I talked about, you know, uh, who and what is Hamas why are they so intent on destroying Israel and the Jewish people? What is the history of the land of Israel and the Palestinians? And then why do we see so many Americans, especially our young people, our youth and young adults that are supporting this Palestinian cause? Now, genuinely, it was my intent to cover all five of these questions in, in one message, but one thing about Pastor JC is I'm a little long-winded. Come on, somebody. So I only got to four. And then I felt permission by the Lord to say, we'll just come back today and we'll talk about the fifth question here, which is, does any of what we're seeing, does any of what we're watching in the news and social media and what we're reading, is there any of that that points to any specific, you know, particular biblical prophecy about the end times? So let, let's focus all of our time today, the, the next hour and a half on this, just seeing if anybody's listening. Just seeing if you're listening. Nobody heard it, so I'm gonna keep going. But does anything that's happening fit into any particular biblical prophecy about the end times? So to answer that question, you gotta start with this fact. Whenever you wanna talk about end times or learn more about the end times, you really don't have to look anywhere outside of just watching what happens in Israel. It is unbelievably imperative that you watch Israel and that will gauge what we believe as Christians in the church of the inevitable return of Jesus. Now, why watch Israel? Why is Israel so imperative to the fulfillment of prophecy within scripture? It's because Israel is different than any other nation. 
See, Israel, by God, was blessed by God, and then God, as we see in his word, he set them apart from every other nation. Exodus chapter 19, verse six, is one verse of scripture out of many that proves to you what I'm saying. Israel's different. He says, you, Israel, you will be what? You will be a kingdom of priests, and you will be a holy nation. Never one time in the Bible will you see where it says, America, you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God chose Israel, the land and the lineage, and he set them apart. He says, you're like no other nation. You've been divinely set apart. You are a kingdom of priests. You are a holy nation. Go into the New Testament, Romans chapter nine. Paul, talking to the church at Rome, and watch what he says in verse four. He says, the people of Israel, theirs, theirs is the adoption to sonship, the divine glory, the covenants. Last Sunday, we talked about the Abrahamic covenant that God made. God made it with Abraham and Sarah, and then Isaac, their son, would be known as the son of the covenant, that they would be the ones receiving the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. And if you got your Bible open, it's okay to, it's okay to write and highlight in your Bible. I want you to underline or highlight this verse right here. Watch. It is from the Jewish people, from the Holy Land, that you can trace the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God overall, forever be praised, and let the church say, Amen. Amen. Right here in Romans chapter 9, verse number 5, we see exactly why God sets them apart, why they are different. See, it was through the Jewish people, it was through the nation of Israel that the Messiah, Jesus, would come. Now, in the original language of the Jews known as Hebrew, Jesus' name is Yeshua. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, and I told you this last Sunday, Yeshua says that he has come to save the people from their sin. So watch this. God knew that all of humanity would need a savior, that we could not rescue ourselves. Come on, how many of you know that to be true? He knew that you would mess up, and I know this isn't, you know, uh, proper, you know, uh, pulpit etiquette, but he knew that you would screw up. And so he sent his only begotten son, Jesus. Come on, somebody had to look at the impersonation. I think when he said screw up, he was talking about you right there. Like, so when God, who is a spirit, put on human flesh, when God put on a physical body, when God came down to us, he said, I choose the lineage of the Jewish people to do it. I choose a land called Israel. And listen to me. If it were not for the Jewish people, if it were not for the Holy Land, there would be no Jesus. There would be no Messiah. There would be no Yeshua. No Jews, no salvation. No Holy Land, no salvation. Without that nation, without those people, without that land, there would be no apostles. There would be no Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Without the Jewish people, there would be no Paul or the prophets or the apostles. Without Israel, there would be no Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. Without the Jewish people, there would be no Isaiah or Daniel or Ezekiel or David. Without the Jewish people, there would be no Ten Commandments and there would be no Bible. Without the Jewish people, there would be no Savior and there would be no salvation for your souls. Come on, if we're gonna clap, let's do it well. 
Woo! Somebody sent me a message on Instagram this week. And before I tell you what they sent me, I wanna say to the person, if you're here, I love you. I love you, I'm not mad at you. Thank you for writing, I appreciate that. But the individual said, Pastor JC, we shouldn't be choosing sides. Listen to me, honey. I am absolutely choosing sides here. I stand with Israel. I'm standing with Israel. Well, Pastor JC, why? I'm glad you asked. Why am I standing with Israel? Because God told me to stand with Israel. And let me tell you about God. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and with whoever he wants. And your opinion about the matter and my opinion about the matter, it really don't matter. I'm feeling a righteous boldness here today. I'm not angry, but I'm ready to have a, a righteous confrontation. God chose the Jewish people. God didn't choose the British people. God didn't choose the Asian people. God didn't choose the African-American people. God didn't choose the Hispanic, Latino people. God didn't choose the white people. God chose the Jewish people. That was his choice, and you don't get a say in it. Well, can I get 100 people to help me out? I feel like I'm on an island up here. But why, why, why? Why would God choose the Jewish people? Why would God choose Israel? Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses seven, eight, and nine. Watch. The Lord did not set his affection on you, Israel, and choose you because you were more numerous than the other peoples. In a few minutes, I'll, sh I'll show you a map so you can see how insignificantly small the nation of Israel really is geographically, but how vast she is biblically and spiritually. He said, I didn't choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were what? You were the fewest of all the peoples. So why would God choose Israel? Because it was the Lord's love for you. And it was his word. And let me tell you, when God gives his word, he never breaks his word. All of God's promises are what? Both yes and amen. And he kept the oath that was swore to your ancestors, that he brought you out with a mighty hand and he redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. And ladies and gentlemen, he is God all by himself. He is the faithful God keeping his covenant. Remember, again, the Abrahamic covenant that we talked about last week, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations woo, of those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, let me for a moment just make a, a, a spiritual parallel right here because God didn't choose me and you because we had it all together. God didn't choose me and he didn't choose you because we were intellectually superior. God didn't choose me or you because we were qualified. No, God could have found somebody else way more worthy than me or you, but he chose you anyway. And God says, when I choose you, now I can use you. And I don't need anybody else's permission and I don't need anybody else's opinion and they may not like me and they may not like you, but I'll choose you. And when I choose you, I'll raise you up. And when I raise you up, I'll protect you, I'll promote you, and I'll promise you and, and give you purpose. Can I get 100 people thankful God chose you? Little old you, 
little insignificant you, not because you were great in the big picture, but because God loved you. God chose the Jewish people and then he extended his love to me and you. Now watch this. When you think about your spiritual inheritance for those who are in Christ Jesus, when you think about God's grace, when you think about his mercy, when you think about his love, we must give honor and appreciation to the Jewish people and the nation of Israel because our entire spiritual inheritance comes from them. Now, obviously, we give all glory to God. We give all honor and praise to God. But God said, can, can I preach today? Is that all right? I'm taking take my jacket. I'm gonna preach today for just a minute here because I got, I got this little righteous boldness thing coming on me. Watch. God said, you better not curse my people. I chose the Jewish people, and you better not curse my people. Genesis 12, 3. You can remember this. Genesis 1, 2, 3. Genesis 12, 3. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you, Israel. This is why you will never see me cursing Israel. This is why you'll never find your pastor out in the streets protesting against Israel. This is why for the 23 followers that I've got on Instagram, you'll never see my social media post with any anti-Semitic garbage and nonsense. I will never preach against Israel. Watch. It is wrong. And if you're doing it, you are wrong too. You're wrong. And as long as I'm the pastor of Go Church, and as long as I've got this turtleneck on, baby, and as long as I'm wearing this fancy little microphone, we will always stand for Israel. We will always be with Israel. Can I get an amen from somebody today? I'm going deeper. Listen to me. If you curse that nation, God will curse you. God will curse your family. God will curse your marriage. God will curse your children. God will curse your business. But if you bless those people, if you bless that nation, God will bless you. God will bless your family. God will bless your marriage. God will bless your ministry. God will bless your kids. And God will bless America if we bless Israel. Come on and give me an amen right there. Five seconds here to the Lord. Come on, I feel like preaching today. God said, God's word, I have an everlasting covenant with the Jewish people. And if you curse them, I will curse you. But if you bless them, I will bless you. So unapologetically, without reservation or fear, I say God bless Israel doesn't mean I don't love and grieve for the Palestinian people whose innocent lives have been lost. We should weep, cry, and pray for them. Ask that the enemy would lay down their weapons and raise their hands and surrender to Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? It doesn't mean that I agree with everything that Israel's government is doing, but we must stand with Israel. Psalm 121 verse four says, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now listen to me, if you're in this room or you're watching online and you were Jewish and you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you better repent of your sin, accept the Messiah as your Lord. Jesus said in John 14, I am, Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by me. Can I get an amen right there? 
If you're a Jew and you don't know Jesus, if you're lost and you don't know Jesus, you better ask Jesus to be your Lord because Jesus is coming back. This is why, this is why the devil is so focused on destroying the nation of Israel. This is why the enemy is so opposed to anything that Israel does. This is why the enemy, Satan, a spiritual war far more than a physical war, is doing everything he can do to wipe Israel off the map and to destroy the Jewish people. Because the devil is after their land. Write it down, not on the TV, but write it down. The devil is after their land. The devil is after their lineage. And the devil is opposed to the will of the Lord. Watch, Yeshua was born in Israel. He died in Israel. He was resurrected in Israel. When Jesus ascended into heaven, which is where he is sitting today, at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for the people, using this crazy world as his footstool, he ascended to heaven from Israel. And watch, and when Jesus comes back, he will return to Israel. Not Sonoa, not Palmetto, not Atlanta, not New York City, not California, not Washington, D.C., but Israel. And the devil hates it. So he's out for their land, he's out for their lineage, and he's out for the will of God to destroy it. So that was my introduction. So does any of this, everything that we're watching, all the images, all the videos, all the reels, all the social media stuff, all the blogs, all the YouTube videos. Is any of this biblical prophecy about the end time? A lot of questions, so much discussion. What does it mean? Is this, is this the end of the world? Is, is this the end times? Now, let me tell you this. I'm gonna build my resume for about 15 seconds. I have a, a minor in Bible theology, okay? I, I worked really, really hard to earn that minor. I've read the Bible multiple times from Genesis to Revelation from cover to cover. I have tried to go deep into eschatology so I can learn more about the end times. So I can tell you the answer to this question, I can tell you without reservation from my experience with the Lord and my limited understanding of scripture, without reservation, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't have a clue. Don't know. Well, Pastor JC, you're not helping me today. Matthew chapter 24, write this reference down. It really lays out for us the signs of, of the last days, the signs of the end times. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, watch what scripture says. But about that day, but about that hour, no one knows. So I would say to you, be very weary and careful of any person Pastor, preacher, apostle, prophet. Some of them ain't prophesying, they prophelying. That's what they're doing. Who says they know when Jesus is coming back. Don't you drink that Kool-Aid. But you better be ready because in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the heavens can, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit today. Thank you for letting me preach like this. Come on. Nobody knows, not even the angels in heaven who right now are sitting around the throne of God singing, worthy, worthy, worthy 
is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Not even the angels know, not even Jesus himself knows, but only God the Father. Well, Pastor JC, I came today trying to get some answers. I'm sorry to tell you, I don't know when the end times are coming and when the last days will be, but there are some things that I do know, some things that we can look at. And I'll go back to something I said in the beginning that if you wanna know more about the end times and the last days, it is imperative that you watch Israel. We keep our eye on Israel. So anytime that you see any type of activity in Israel, especially a war, you better lean in. You better pay close attention. You better read your Bibles. Listen to me, if I can give you any advice right here, I'm gonna tell you this. Learn this word, love this word, and live this word. So whenever there's activity in Israel, especially a war that's happening now, you better read your Bibles and lean in. Let's talk about this word for a moment. I'm gonna talk to you about prophecy. Now this word prophecy, and here's the, the definition, it's my definition, all right? So I would, if I were having coffee with you trying to explain to you what prophecy is, I would say, Prophecy is a foretelling message from God. God gives his people a message, oftentimes through a prophet, and he's giving a message about something that will happen that had not happened yet. Does that make sense? So when we look at the prophecy, one third of your Bible is prophecy. There are over 2,500 plus prophecies in the Bible. 2,000 of the 2,500 prophecies in the Bible have already been fulfilled. Some of you looked at me like, impress me more. Uh, I, I don't know what to say. 2,000 of 2,500 prophecies have already been fulfilled. The remaining 500 plus or minus prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled are, are mainly focused on end times, last days, the rapture, and the second coming of Jesus. So let's take this a step deeper. Not just 2,500 prophecies, but what are the prophecies about Israel? In your Bible, there are 16 very specific prophecies about Israel. Again, God foretold a message about something that would happen before it ever happened. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I, we, we can't do that once. And if we get lucky, that was just lucky, and it'll happen again. God's done this 2,500 times and 16 times about the nation of Israel. And of the, of the 16 prophetic words about Israel, 13 of them have already been fulfilled. Now, I'm from Tampa. The education system in Tampa wasn't all that great. I'm not the brightest star in the sky or the sharpest tool in the, in the shed. Come on, somebody. Come on, my Florida people. Where are you at? Yeah, some of you are like, what's he saying to me? Listen to me, but that's 81% fulfillment right there. 81% fulfillment. 13 of the 16 prophecies about the nation of Israel have already been fulfilled. Here we go. It was prophesied they would go into slavery, and they did. It was prophesied they would be delivered, and they were. It was prophesied they would possess the land of Canaan, and they did it. It was prophesied they would turn to idolatry, and that happened. It was prophesied that God would establish a temple in Jerusalem. Yep, that happened too. It was prophesied that the Babylonians would invade Israel, and Nebuchadnezzar and his army would destroy that temple. You can check that off your prophetical list. It was prophesied by Jesus that Herod's temple would be destroyed. There ain't one stone left. Bad grammar, good preaching. It was prophesied that Israel would be scattered among the nations, 
and they wouldn't live in their land for many, many years. That prophecy has also been fulfilled. It was prophesied that they would be persecuted by the Gentile, also fulfilled. It was prophesied in Ezekiel 37 that they would regather a valley of dry bones would come together and they would regather and they would take possession of their land. And in 1948, guess who came home? Now, of the remaining prophecies about Israel, 16 in total, 13 fulfilled, the final three prophecies have a lot to do about the end of times, the second coming, the rapture of the church. Here's one of them, Ezekiel chapter 38, uh, 15 minutes. Can I get it? 15 minutes. I'll tell you what, can I get five? Show me your hands if I can get five. Here we go. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 65, 75 minutes. That's perfect. That's, pl that's plenty. Thank you so much. Can we, in the next 15 minutes, can we go a little deeper? All right, come on, I, I've, done, I've done the work. Here we go, the, the Lord is so good. Ezekiel 38, Here, here's Ezekiel's prophecy about the end times, about the war of all wars, about the battle of Armageddon, all right? So is anything that's happening in the world right now, is it pointing towards this battle? Ezekiel says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Gog, Gog means prince or Lord, but it's a lowercase l for Lord because there's only one true living Lord. Come on, somebody, that'll preach right there. Set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the chief priest of Meshach and Tabal. Prophesy against him and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, Gog, the prince of Magog, all right? Chief priest of Meshach and Tubal, verse four. I'll turn you around. I'll put hooks in your jaws. I'll bring you out with your whole army, with your horses and your horsemen who are fully armed, and a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Watch, watch verse five. If you got your Bibles open, I want you to highlight uh, the, these nations. Persia, Cush, Put will all be with them all with shields and helmets. Also, Gomer with all of his troops and Beth Togerma from the far north with all of its troops, the many nations with you. Are you with me still? Okay. Again, I don't know if the war that we're seeing happening right now is the total fulfillment of this prophecy in Ezekiel 38. But I will tell you this, don't overlook the significance of it. So if you were to ask me to give you an answer, I would say yes and not yet. Yes and not yet. Here's what I mean by that. One thing to note, whenever we look at the end times, according to Ezekiel's revelation through God in his prophetic word, Magog would be a major player in the end of days. Who is Magog? Magog is Russia. And I'm not, I'm not making this up. Magog is modern day Russia. Magog literally means the prince of Rosh, which is the root word for Russia. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but right now, almost 20% of Russia are Muslim. So in the end times, you're going to see Russia really take center stage, leading the way of the war against Israel. Also, the prophet Ezekiel says that five additional enemies of Israel will align with Russia. 
they'll, they'll form a, a confederation and attack Israel. Persia, Cush, Put, Gomer, Beth, Togerma. One, two, three, four, five, plus all these other nations. If you're with me, say I'm still there. So, so Ezekiel says that in these last days, you're gonna see Russia, Magog, really take center stage as the leader. These five additional enemies will create a confederation with Russia and then they will attack Israel. Now, just so you can see it on a map because these nations or countries through centuries and governments and leaders, they've been renamed. So let me show you the map here. They'll make this map a little bit larger for you to see. Persia is, is known as now modern day Iran. So from up until 1935, Iran was called Persia. Iran is a fully Muslim nation. By the way, and I won't, go, I won't talk a lot about Hamas, you wanna hear my thoughts on Hamas, go back to last week, but Hamas is fully funded and supported by Iran, by Persia. They've given them $100 million a year for the last few years to aid their terrorism, all right? Hamas has admitted that the Al-Aqsa flood that happened on October the 7th, the attack on, on, on the land in the, in the nation of Israel was fully funded and supported by Persia, by Iran. Then you have, you have Kush. This is present day a Sudan and Ethiopia, right here towards, towards the south, all the way at the bottom, right? Sudan and Ethiopia, they're also a Muslim nation. Then you have Put. This is Libya, right here in this kind of a dark red box. Then you have you have Libya. Libya is an Islamic nation. Then you have Gomer and uh, Beth Togerma. This is Turkey. Now, Turkey is not what you're gonna eat on Thursday. Come on, somebody. <laughs> One joke and you miss it. Good night. So then, you, then you've, got, you've got Turkey, fully Muslim, and then this big red circle, all the other many nations to form an alliance and confederation with Russia to attack Israel. Now keep the map up for a moment. But look at Israel in the star. Why? And, and, and you, listen to me, look at me real quick. If you're here today and you are skeptical of God, this map in itself will prove to you that there is a God. Only by God's sovereignty could a nation so small, could a nation so tiny that you could fit into the state of Texas 32 times, a nation the size of New Jersey, only God's grace and sovereignty could allow a nation like that to exist with all of these enemies aligning to attack Israel. All right, you can take the map down and then get back to my ugly mug. Now, what, what's happening right now in real-time news? What, what's happening when, when you read, and I, don't, I don't know, do people still read the paper? But, but you, when you read your smartphone that has the paper? Look, when you read articles and you see videos, right now, we are seeing a Russian-Iranian confederation. Right now. Just like Ezekiel prophesied thousands of years ago, you read it, that Russia and Persia, Magog and Persia, they would come together and create an alliance. They would be friends. For, for the last 2,500 years, Russia and Iran, they've not been friends. They've not, they've not been together. 
But in the, you just watch the last couple of years, what's happened? All of a sudden, Russia has started funding and aiding Iran. This is true. Billion dollars, multiple times to fund Iran and to sell them missiles. And then on the flip side, when Russia declared war against Ukraine, what did the Iranians do? They sold weaponized drones to Russia to help them defeat Ukraine. Right now in real time, you are seeing Magog and Persia, Russia and Iran coming together. So here's what I would say, that what we gotta watch for, if this, if this is leading us into that, that end times, the battle of Armageddon, if you begin to see Russia making a move, people get ready. If, if Iran or Turkey, I didn't, I didn't even talk about China and North Korea, but if they, if they start to send troops or if they begin to engage, people get ready. World War III, the war of all wars, the battle of Armageddon. So it's no wonder why people are so anxious. No wonder why people are so afraid. So I wonder why there's so many. Listen, I, I know people in real time, they're having panic attacks over this. They're terrified. But this is what I wanna say to Christians. So for those of you that have said yes to Jesus, come on, where are you at? You're thankful for the blood of Jesus. Let me, let me, talk, to you. Let me talk to you here in a moment. First, let me say to the person that is unsaved, that you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you have decided to be your own Lord and to be your own God. You should be afraid. You should be terrified. You should have panic and you should have worry and you should have fear. But for those who have placed their confidence in God, baby, there ain't no fear. There's all faith. It's all faith. This is God's word just coming together. Do you, do you know why Christians, listen to me, Christians, do you know why you don't have to worry? You know why you don't have to fret? You don't have to pace back and forth? You don't even need to read another article. All you gotta do is just read your Bible. Sit back, sip your coffee. Just sit back, why? Because the very next biblical prophecy that happens from Ezekiel chapter 38 until Ezekiel chapter 39, oh, hallelujah, is the rapture of the church. Nobody clapped and you should have. No, 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 it's the rapture of the church. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. Come on, we used to sing that as a kid in church, but baby, I'm about to spread my wings and fly. I believe I can fly. No, <laughs> not the time. Lord save his soul too. Watch, the next major event in biblical prophecy between Ezekiel 38 and 39 is the rapture. Let's go to the book of Revelation. Yeah, you got, you got 15 more minutes. <laughs> but for real, no. Let's go to the book of Revelation, watch. The next event, here it is. You see all of these wars and rumors of wars, signs of the times, earthquakes, famines. Tell me that the earth is not groaning for the return of its creator. And if you're a Christian, and you're worried and, and, and afraid. I know it's not that easy to say don't be, but, but don't be. And you've got God. And God makes his promise and all of his promises again are what? They're yes and amen. So, so watch, all of these wars are coming. All of these nations fighting against Israel. And then the rapture happens. Now some people 
And, and some pastors don't believe in the rapture because the, the English word rapture is nowhere in the Bible. Okay, that's fine. But the original scripture was not written in English. You go back to Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. So, so in the Greek, that word rapture is harpazo. In Latin, it's raptus, which means to, to seize, not sneeze, to seize. But it'll come as quick as a sneeze. Don't make me preach about sneezing. No, to seize or to snatch or to grab or to carry off or to rescue. Come on, isn't this good? Revelation 4.1, look, when all, oh, this is so good. When all these things are happening and all these nations are aligning together and we're seeing earthquake and famine and disease and all these signs are pointing right back to what's gonna happen. The first thing is the rapture. And you know what, you know what God will do? because of his word and his covenant to us, for those who are in a right relationship with Jesus, right before the battle of Armageddon, you don't even have to worry about that, baby, because right before that happens, the heavens will open, and Revelation 4 says that God says, come up here, come up here. And let me, let me tell you this, you know who won't be here? This guy. Who's got two thumbs and won't be here? Me. I'm out, I'm out. The rapture of the church will happen. Then what? Then comes the tribulation, Revelation 6 through 19. Now, when you read these verses or chapters in the book of Revelation, pretty confusing. But the vast majority of the revelation is about the tribulation. According to the Bible, the tribulation is a seven-year period that will begin immediately after the rapture. So this is the time where the wrath of God will be poured out. And some people will say, well, if I miss the rapture, I'll get saved in the tribulation. No, you won't. Because the Holy Spirit will be removed. The glory of God will be removed from the earth. And if you can't get saved now when God's grace is here, how are you gonna get saved when God's wrath is here? Get saved today. Amen. Give your heart to Jesus today. So, so watch this. So, so the Antichrist will sit at the center of evil. But again, who won't be here? I hope, I hope it's you. But I guarantee you, that next Sunday in church, I'm gone. I've got an all-inclusive expense-paid trip already booked for me and Kimberly. We own up out of this world. This world is not my home. Come on, somebody. I know my address. I know where I live. But my permanent residence is in glory. The tribulation happens. And watch, 2 second, second Thessalonians, the Antichrist cannot come until the Holy Spirit is taken away. This is why I believe that the rapture happens before the tribulation because where does the Holy Spirit live now? In the church, in us. Then, after the seven-year period of God pouring out his wrath, then what happens? Oh, it's the return of Christ, the second coming of Jesus. Now, the second coming of Christ is different from the rapture of the church. The second coming happens after the tribulation. And this, when Jesus comes back in the second coming, it will end the battle of Armageddon. End the battle. When the battle is done and they come against Israel, right, fighting against their land and their lineage and the will of God, when Jesus comes back, woo, immediately after that, when the war is done, you know what happens next? There's a party. Yeah, it's a party. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And you know what's gonna be at the party? There's gonna be food at the party. You know what's gonna be at the party? There's gonna be music 
at the party. You know what's gonna be at the party? Your pastor dancing in the corner of heaven. Come on, somebody, because it's a party. And I've come to tell somebody at Go Church, there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. There is a party in heaven. Oh, and everybody's celebrating. It's food, music, dancing, and then what? All right, the party's over. The DJ going back, going back to your mansion. And then what? The great white throne judgment. At the great white throne judgment, we will all line up, everybody, all of us, saved and unsaved. And at the great white throne judgment, they will call your name. Sarah, James, Jonathan, David, Brett, Michelle. And when you stand before God Almighty, there will be books, plural, plural books, a library of books. And recorded in those books will be everything you ever did, everything you ever thought, everything you ever said, every action, every word, and every deed. All the good, all the bad. That means some of y'all better start getting some things together right now. Come on, somebody. But then there will be one book, singular. There will be books of all that you've done, but then there will be one book, and that book is called the Lamb's Book of Life. And they will go through the book to see if your name has been recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if they see your name in the Book of Life because you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will hear these words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on in. But if your name is not in that Lamb's Book of Life, you will hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never even knew you. My, my advice to you right here, right now is, you better do everything you can do to get your name written in that book. And all you have to do is repent of your sin, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let him wash you in his mercy. Let him wash you in his grace. Let him cover you in his blood. Invite Jesus to be Lord. Get your name in the book so one day you can hear, well done. Look at me real quick and then you can clap. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not living my life for the applause of man. I'm living my life to hear well done. Well done, JC. Well done. Get your name in the book. And listen to me, you don't get your name in the book of life because your mama was saved. You don't get your name in the book because your grandmother was saved or your daddy was a deacon. That's not how this works. You get your name in the book when you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You get your own personal, intimate, and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. You lay down your will. You pick up his word. You confess your sin. And you realize that he didn't love you because you were some great thing. No, he sent his son Jesus because he knew that you were a mess. A hot mess. But God so loved the world. Come on, 10 seconds right here. Give Jesus the best praise you've got. <laughs> Woo. Then what? I got one more, one more. Then what? So then when it's all said and done, the rapture of the church, the tribulation, the second coming of Christ, uh, the, the marriage supper of the lamb, the great white throne judgment, then what? Then it's the new heaven and the new earth. God will put this world back together like he originally intended for it to be in Genesis before sin entered the world. This will be Eden restored, the new heaven 
and the new earth. And on that new earth, listen to me, there will be no sin, there will be no sickness, there will be no suffering, there will be no death, there will be no war, there will be no grief, there will be no evil, there will be no bills, there will be no taxes. Some of y'all like taxes, I guess, I'm sorry. There will be no cancer, there will be no racism. Listen, on the new heaven and the new earth, Chick-fil-A is open on Sundays. Come on, somebody, that's what I'm talking about. And the new heaven and the new earth, you know what will be there? Krispy Kreme and that hot sign will always be on. Can I get an amen from somebody? It's the new heaven and the new earth. There will be no more tears. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more weeping. There will be no more pain. There will be no more curse. There will be no more night. Come on and give Jesus the best praise you've got. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're clapping. Anybody thankful for God's promise? Anybody thankful for the word of the Lord? People, get ready. Give your heart to Jesus now. Today is the day of your salvation. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, 30 seconds right here, highest praise. Come on, one, two, three, come on. We give you glory, Lord, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Hallelujah. Woo. High five two or three people and tell them, say, I'm God's favorite. Go ahead, I'm God's favorite. He did it all for me. He did it all for me. Two things to close. You got 15 more minutes? Two things to close. Number one, if, if you are not saved and your name is not in the book of life, woe be unto you. Choose this day the God you will serve. You, you choose. I, I, I can't choose for you. I wish that I could, but I, I can't choose for you. you. You have to make that decision. You, you write your fate. Well, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? God doesn't send anyone to hell. God, God made a way for you to escape the penalty of hell. Hell is for people that want to pay their own penalty. Heaven is for people that want God to pay the penalty. Ooh, did you get that? So yes, God is love and he loves you so much that he won't force you to spend eternity with him when you wouldn't even choose to spend your earthly life with him. You choose heaven or hell. But the only moment that your promise is now, I'm not playing off of hyper-emotionalism or fear. I'm just telling you, not one of us are promised tomorrow. The only moment you're promised is this moment. Blood is flowing through your veins in this moment. Oxygen is happening in this moment. So what are you waiting on? Give your heart to Jesus, confess your sin, receive his grace, get your name written in the book of life. And then to every Christian, to every believer, what do you do as we watch this world? Just, this world is a mess. This world is crazy. So what do we do? I got it, Jesus said, Jesus told you what to do. Let not your hearts be troubled. No panic, no fear, no worry, no anxiety, peace. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Ooh. For my Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. But I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And when I come back, I'll take you to be with me. That you may be where I am. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Here's what we're doing. I'm counting to three.
If you're ready to get your name in the book of life, accepting Christ as your personal savior. Lord, there's a lot of chaos in the world and I've been running, I've been playing games, I've been going through the motions, but I want, I want to confess you as Lord. Repent of my sin, run from my way and run to your will. I'm counting to three. If you want, if you want Jesus to be your savior, if you, if you want what Jesus did on the cross to pay the penalty of your sin and your mistake and your foolishness, all you have to do is accept Christ. And then, and then you get on the journey and you begin to have this growing relationship. But today, can you make it personal? If you want Jesus, here we go. One, two, three, hands up, keep them up. Come on, keep them up. Oh Lord, don't, don't let them down. I'm starting left to right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Lord, every hand that was 19, 20, every hand that was lifted, Lord, this is just, a, we, we lift our hands as a sign of surrender. It's a su sign of surrender. So we surrender our lives to you. This, this prayer I pray doesn't make you saved. It won't make you saved. It's just language for you to use. So Lord, I surrender my life. I accept you as Lord. Forgive me of my sin. I want you to be the master of my life, sitting on the throne of my heart. Wash me clean. Make me a new person. Change my life. Put my name in that book so that I too can hear, well done, in Jesus' name. And for every Christian, Lord, for every believer, let not their hearts be troubled. I speak peace and not panic. I speak worship and not worry. I speak praise and not fear. Let them be assured of your word and that you will call us up out of here before we have anything to ever be worried about. You are sovereign and you are in control. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on and give God the best praise you've got.